You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Gracious God, we pray that you would indeed be gracious unto us and see fit to invade our lives in such a way that our eyes might be open to behold the Lord Jesus Christ for who he is and for who we are in him. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, if, if you've been paying attention, you'll see that the gospel reading for this morning was actually the gospel reading two weeks ago. If you didn't notice it, don't say anything to me because then I'll know you weren't in church. Uh, and uh, this reason, the reason why we're doing that is not because Cameron Cole did a deficient job or that I somehow need to come behind him, uh, but actually this was the text that was landed on uh, for my stewardship sermon. And I think that it captures beautifully uh, what it looks like uh, when Jesus gets a hold of somebody's life and transforms it and renovates it and turns them into a fisher for men and women. Because that's really what Jesus came to do. Uh, Up to this point, Jesus has been preaching and healing in Luke's gospel, but we see here this morning in Luke 5 that he's come to do more than just to preach and heal. Of course, he did come to do those things, but what we see more specifically is that he comes in order to invade our lives. Jesus is not meant to exist on the periphery of our lives but at the very center of them. He comes to invade our thoughts, our relationships, our family life, our jobs, our leisure time, our everything. And here's Simon, who's not looking for Jesus. And yet God comes to him uh, in such a powerful way. And I think that that's probably true of most of us. That there we are minding our own business and then God shows up. And he shows up in such a way that, one, a choice is laid before us as to how we might respond. And two, if responding positively to that choice, that we see our lives transformed. And for Simon, he didn't get up. He wasn't working through the night. And nor as he sat there listening to Jesus, could he possibly imagine that this is the day that will change everything for me, not just in my life, but for eternity. And yet that's exactly how Jesus shows up here. He shows up here at the Sea of Galilee. Luke calls it the Lake of Gennesaret. And so many people are crowding in to see Jesus that as a practical consideration, he gets into Simon's boat. There's no evidence here that he actually asked Simon's permission, nor did Simon object to it, because there was Simon mending his nets. He and his partners had been out all night long fishing and haven't caught a thing. And so Jesus gets in and sits down and says, hey, do you mind if you push me out a little bit so that the people can come down to the water's edge? Simon didn't seem to have a problem with that. And so out Jesus went in order to create more room for everything that is going on there. And Simon is just uh, doing a good job of mending his nets and uh, with an ear toward Jesus and everything is going along well and good uh, until finally when Jesus finishes preaching, he looks at Simon and says, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. 
Now, a lot of preachers will say at this point that, that Simon is, is, is entering into a little bit of a sarcastic debate with Jesus about, hey, I know fishing and you don't really know fishing, but just to prove you're a fool, I'm going to go out and do this. Uh, but in fact, uh, Simon, it seems, is completely taken aback by this. It is an idiotic command that Jesus is giving him. One, it is true. This is what Simon does for a living. He's a fisherman. He spent his entire life on this body of water, which means one being a fisherman, Jesus, I know what time it is in which you're supposed to go fishing, right? That's why we go fishing at night because that's the time when the fish are biting. And furthermore, I grew up on this lake. I know where the fish are. And so you're saying to me, I want you to go out fishing at the wrong time and in the wrong place. It is an incredible demand that Jesus is asking Simon to do. And I love the way that Michael Wilcock puts it in commenting on this passage. And I think captures what Simon was grappling with. As long as Simon's boat is being used for a pulpit, the owner has no objection to Jesus saying in it what he likes. But when it reverts to being a fishing boat, it is Simon's to use once more. And Jesus no longer has a say in how it is to be used. Fishing is Simon's job. In the same way, people will listen to Jesus, will consider what he says, and will even ask him to make them better when they are sick. But for him to do as he does here, and to interfere with their job, their home, their leisure, that is another thing altogether. This is exactly why Simon responds with, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. I like what you were saying in the boat, but there aren't any fish out there. But look at what is the key to unlocking Peter's heart. Why does he do what Jesus asks him to do? We see it in the tail end of verse 5. But at your word, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Peter knows that he's not just in the presence of anybody ordinary but that when Jesus issues a command, Simon is to respond. Uh, The only way that we know anything about God and even anything that we know about ourselves is actually by God's word. For instance, uh, all of us would probably, especially if we're Christians, be able to say, I know that God loves me. Well, how do you know that God loves you? well, I've got this feeling that God loves me. I mean, to know me is to love me. But what about those times when in searching internally and because of circumstances in your life, you're not altogether sure that God actually loves you. In fact, he seems very far away. And the way that things are working out in your life, it doesn't feel as if God loves you. And in spite of all of your internal searching, you're not able to find evidence 
that God loves you. How do we know that God loves us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A word that comes from outside of us that in spite of our circumstance, we can say, Lord, I don't feel like you're near. I don't feel like you love me. But because you say so, but at your word, I will believe. Help me in my unbelief. And this is what Simon is doing here. Lord, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. It's counterintuitive. But at your word, I will let down the nets. I'm going to obey you. And so Simon puts out off the shore, goes into the deep, lets down the nets, and they caught such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. And Simon signaled to James and John and others and said, bring out another boat. And so many fish that the boats began to sink. Now, what would you do in this instance? This is the pinnacle of Simon's fishing career. I mean, I'd Instagram it if I were on Instagram. Uh, I'd put it on YouTube. I would, I would so put it on YouTube that people are like, hey, you're the fish guy, right? I'm the fish guy. I, I would use this moment and capitalize on it in order to take my fishing business to the next level. But what do they do? They leave everything and follow after Jesus. At the height of his career, when he'd finally arrived, he puts it all down and follows after Jesus. Why? Because he realizes in whose presence he stands. Or rather, at this point, he drops to his knees and he says this, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. It's his Isaiah 6 moment. It's when he realizes that in Jesus' presence, he feels incredibly small, which actually is not judgment for him, but release. You see me as I am, a sinful and broken man. And yet you don't cast me off. You actually use me to demonstrate The miraculous, which is a sign that points to you and your lordship and your kingship. That you are the living God. And so I have no choice but to hide my life in you. To give myself wholly over to you and that you might do with me whatever it is that you please. For I have no place else to go. This is what Simon Peter says later on at the end of John chapter 6. When Jesus has issued a very difficult teaching to his disciples. So much so that we read in verse 66. Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. 
In this moment, Simon Peter realizes that he has no identity and no reality apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever it is and whatever it was that he was before he met Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come. It is a radical transformation. And yet, of course, Simon never loses touch with who he really is. That he is this mix of, of, of saved and yet also sinful. Because this is the same Peter that denies the Lord Jesus Christ to a little girl on the night that Jesus was handed over to suffering and death. And yet this is also the same Simon that full of the Holy Spirit preached on the day of Pentecost so that thousands of men and women were fished into God's boat. And this is all only possible because Jesus sought him out. And when he put before Simon, go out into the deep and let your nets down. Simon said, at your word, at your word, I will let down the nets. And so he's so transformed that Jesus' words come to be true for him and for all of his disciples. Don't be afraid. Yes, I see you as you are but I've come to die for you. I've come to be raised for you. I've come to transform you. I've come to make you new. I've come to create fellowship between you and your heavenly father so that you might be a child of God. Do not be afraid because from now on, you will be catching men and women. Now, if you're a believer, you know exactly what this feels like. If you've even dabbled a little bit in Christianity, you might have an inkling. But I wonder how many of us hear the teaching of Jesus. We're very glad for him to be in the boat and preaching sermons. But when he says, go out in the deep, we say, you know what? I'm kind of happy just to splash around the edges of the lake here. Happy for you to sit in the boat, happy to listen to you. But we only get the first part. Jesus, I've toiled all night and took nothing. I'm just going to stay here. I need to rest. I've got my life under control. Or are we prompted by the Holy Spirit to say, as Simon says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. I don't know about you, but I'm convicted by this because in my life, I don't want to splash around the edges. I want to go into the deep with Jesus. I want to be overwhelmed by him. I want to know, I want to feel, I want to experience what it means to have my life be completely and totally oriented and rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it look like to be in this place, to go deep with the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, one, as we've been talking about, but at your word, The word is poured out. There it is. It's set before us to respond to him. We may not be looking for it. We might have been busy mending our nets or however that manifests itself in your life. But Jesus says, go cast them deep. Well, Jesus, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But because you say so, I'm going to go deep. I'm going to look foolish to the people on the lakeshore. It's counterintuitive. It's not the pattern that a fisherman follows, but at your word, I will obey and I will go. Two, we see transformation and renovation. 
that Jesus invades the life of Peter and changes him. As I read this story, I think about my own house, and you have this too, that there are areas of your house where no one is allowed to go. This is the storeroom, this is the basement, this is the garage, this is the closet. And if anybody opens that door, you'll die. You will actually die. But inevitably, you have a party, you have folks over, and as much as you try to keep them in the presentable areas of your home, someone opens that door, and you have the ready-made excuse. Oh, well, I'm just getting organized for the past 20 years. That's the no-go area. But of course, what Jesus does here and he does in our lives is he goes to the basement. He goes to the closet. He begins to transform and renovate those areas of your lives that you're ashamed of and that you would rather Jesus stay out of. Keep it dark. Don't let the light in. And you may have tried for the past 20 years to get it together, but it's never happened and it's not going to happen. And so the thing is to simply fall on your knees and say, Lord, depart from me for I am a sinful man. And to simply say, uncle, Lord Jesus, come into my life and sort out my basement because I can't. Or it may actually be that the no-go areas of your house are the places that are the most organized. I don't know about you, but I had a room in our house growing up where no one was allowed to sit in it. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right? It was the front sitting room and had very nice furniture that was built for people to sit on, and yet no one was allowed to sit on it. And there was a carpet in there where you could see footprints, and I'm one of three boys. Uh, and so if you could tell if someone walked through it, so we would actually get the, the vacuum out and not run it, but just so the lines uh, would be there in order to get away with being caught in the front room. And then another room was my grandfather's study where we were told your grandfather likes things a certain way. And so you may not go in that room and you certainly may not touch anything in that room if you're in there with, in his presence. So it may actually be that you've got a really nice looking house. You don't have a messy basement. You don't have a messy closet, but you've got these very neatly ordered things. But what happens is that Jesus comes in and he goes into the front sitting room and he plops down on the couch and puts his feet on the coffee table. He goes into your study and he starts rearranging things and moving them where you don't want them to go. But do you see that that's exactly what Jesus came to do. And anything less is us simply splashing around the edges of life and not knowing the overwhelming power of God in our lives. And when that transformation takes place, what we see is that we're catching men and women. Our lives are given over to following after him and our lives being lived in his cross and in his resurrection. And we want to get as many other people in the boat as we can, even to the point of sinking. We want to see Jesus invade other people's lives. And so this stewardship season, my prayer is that we go into the deep with Jesus as individuals but that we also go into the deep as a congregation. You know, money is the most obvious way in which 
Uh, we show our gratitude to God. I mean, in fact, everything that we have is God's. And we're simply giving it back to Him. And that's really important because that money equals transformed lives. It allows the Advent to go out and catch men and women, whether that be on the edge of, the, edge of Birmingham or to the edge of the earth. But I wonder if stewardship's not greater than that, and Simon gives us a picture of it. That this stewardship season, that we actually would offer our entire selves up to the Lord Jesus to use as he wills. That we simply say, Jesus, I'm tired of splashing around at the edges of my life. I'm tired of the messy room. I'm tired of trying to keep everything so neat and protected from people. And it's time for me to go deep with you and to be overwhelmed by you and to be transformed by you and to be sent into the world to catch men, men and women for you. Because for those of us who are believers, we have no other option than to go deep. Let us pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, we do pray that you would invade our lives. Uh, We're not looking for you most of the time, but Lord, uh, we pray that you would come. uh, Upset our routines. Come into those areas of our lives that need you desperately. Renovate us. Transform us. Make us your own. And Lord, use us to be fishers of men and women in this broken and fallen world. We pray all of this for our good, but above all, for your great glory. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.